Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> All right. Uh, starting off with a bang here. And uh, welcome. Good to see you once again. Pastor Dustin Bloomer back from vacation, which means it's going to be like a three hour long sermon because I got so much pent up here today. I tell you what. Um, but friends, there there is evil in the world, isn't there? And, and there are obstacles that evil presents us. You need to look no further for evil than, than look here, right? How many people have had some road traffic, you know, construction? It's evil. There's always a new chapter of evil, right? Anyone see Despicable Me 3? Before there was Gru, there were my favorite evil villains, uh, Pinky and the Brain. Always plan to take over the world. Um, before that, maybe you grew up with this witch who uh, didn't like the fairest maiden of them all, right? But the reality is we don't need to look to construction, to animated films, for evil. Uh, there is world evil, right? Beyond the brain, uh, there are people like this man, who looks similar, right? Do you, do you see? I don't even want to say his name because I'm afraid that Amazing Love will get hacked and I don't need any more problems. The kingdom has work to do. Um, but maybe you heard that he launched a missile that could reach Alaska, right? And maybe you heard that that threat seems to be growing. There is real evil. Uh, met with Putin, right? And maybe you're keeping track and there are scandals abroad, whether it be the hacking for election or whatnot, and seem that there's evil there. There's, there's evil in Illinois. And I'm not sure who your evil is, whether it be Rauner or Madigan. I'm not going to take sides for you, but there is there's evil. Let's make it a little more personal, though. Isn't it true that there are circumstances and there are people that we face that are just evil? I remember being a kid, and I thought one of my teachers was evil. Have you ever been with a teacher, and you have them the whole year, and you're like, why can't I get the teacher my other friends have? It would be awesome. This person is an obstacle for my future. But, but this whole year, I tell you, it's just, just evil. Maybe a coach like that, a coach that you just didn't mess with, um, couldn't wait for the season to be over, right? There's evil, and there are obstacles that evil presents you with. 
I'm not sure your life, but I do understand that you might be facing an obstacle this very day. It might have a different flavor. It might have a different name. But we all face these obstacles in a messed up world we call because of a sinful world, right? And I want to turn to a spiritual conversation. Because there's evil that exists, sometimes we wonder, friends, sometimes we wonder and we ask this question, here it is, can God still work in spite of the evident evil that is in my world, that is in your world, that is in the world? Can God still accomplish his purposes for me personally? Because I know the promises he has to bless everything and to make everything work for good, to give me hope in a future, just as he said through the prophet Jeremiah. Can he still do it in this country? Regardless of, of the obstacles that are in the way, regardless of the leaders who you did or did not vote for, regardless of the way things are going down, can he still work? If you've ever asked that question, the greatest answer, I think, comes from the book called Esther. Can we get into it? I want to let you know a little bit about the evil that was going on in that day. Uh, see, what happened with, with God's people, the believers, the Jews, is that they were um, kind of punished for disobeying God. In 722, the northern tribe of the Jews were destroyed completely by the Assyrians. Right now, during the book of Esther, they're in captivity in Babylon. They're under awful rulers named Nebuchadnezzar and then Darius, and who we find today is a king named Xerxes. Now, Xerxes is such a big deal that even our Hollywood people today have picked up on the idea of Xerxes and his rule. Uh, movies came out, and here's a picture of Xerxes and the kingdom. I mean, he was godlike in, in the type of ruler that he was. He was called the king of kings because of how many people and the kingdom that he had. Let me give you a picture of how far his rule went. Uh, this is a picture of ancient Persia at the time of Xerxes. It extends from Egypt all the way over to India. Some say this is similar square footage to the United States. He was a force to be reckoned with. And yet, as we'll learn, he was egotistical. He was maniacal. He was a megalomaniac. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds cool. And he was bad. But in spite of all of this evil, God raises up this gal in an unlikely way named Esther. And God still accomplishes his purpose for his people. He establishes deliverance for the Jews so that a Messiah could come through that line. He can still work in spite of the evil that was going on. In fact, uh, what you need to know about the book of Esther is that God's name is never mentioned. Some have called it a godless book. There are no references to Yahweh, to, to God, to the Lord, to Jesus, none of that. And yet, his fingerprints are all over the book. A commentator, Matthew Henry, he said this about the book of Esther. He said, but though the name of God be not in it, Esther, the finger of God is directing many minute events for the bringing about of his people's deliverance. Another Bible commentator said, he is there, but he's there in invisible ink. And I think that just makes so much sense when we're confronted with evil. Because so many times we're like, God, where are you? Where is your name? What are you doing? How can you even be operating? But friends, I believe he's there in the minutiae. I believe he's there in the very details. I believe he can work, and that's what we're going to talk about, in spite of the evil, in spite of the obstacles that are facing you right now. That's what we get to explore today. Let's dig in. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, it's a new day, it's a new day, it's a new day. 
So we're going to open up to the book of Esther. By a miracle, God preserved his word so that we have exactly what he wants us to hear. And if you're looking chronology, uh, Esther would come at the very end. It was the, the first book before the New Testament, at the, the very capstone where we find history. Esther finds herself. It's about the 500 BCs. Uh, Xerxes reigns about 480 BC. That's where we find ourselves today. Uh, so, so let's get into it. Let's dig in. You can follow along either in your worship folder or on the screen here, whatever you'd like. I will read the whole thing here. It says, This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, who had another name, Asuherus. Uh, Xerxes is his Greek, Greek name that we just know. Uh, the Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Cush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles, all his buds, all his officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes, the nobles and provinces that were present. For a full 180 days, we'll talk about this, uh, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people, from least to the greatest, who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings on marble pillars. <laughs> Look at this. There were couches of gold, right? Ashley Furniture, I don't think you can buy couches of gold, but I don't even know what it would take to make a whole couch of gold. And there were couches of gold and silver on mosaic pavement of porphyry marble, mother of pearl and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold each one different from the other. The royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions, for the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. We'll talk about that. Queen Vashti, well, she also gave a banquet for the women of the royal palace of King Xerxes. And on the seventh day, when King Xerxes was in high spirits, or I believe drunk from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, and you can read those names for yourself. Um, it's great, those guys. Well, they, they were commanded to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown. Some commentators said maybe it was only her royal crown, and that's why she didn't, anyway, get into that. In, in order to display her beauty to the people and the nobles, for she was lovely to look at. But when the attendants delivered the king's command, uh, Queen Vashti refused to come. And then the king became furious and burned with anger. He pouted like a little boy, is the Hebrew translation. But this is the word of God. And these are the words that we get to dissect a little bit today. And I think God's going to do a work in our lives and he's going to answer the question we proposed. And we're going to have some fun. All right, let's dig in. Let's dig in. I am back from vacation, and uh, we uh, just came back from Florida, had a great time visiting with family, a lot of pool time, catching up. I I'm one of those guys who doesn't like to be on the phone too much, so the face-to-face -face really means a lot. Um, well, part of what we did is we went down to Mexico to an all-inclusive resort. Who's been to an all-inclusive resort? Anyone? Anyone? It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. I mean, so if you haven't been, it's like Golden Corral every day. Right? Every meal, every day, it's all there. There's a selection. It is a fantastic idea. Um, we were there for four days, and, and some people are like, you're only here for four days? And we're like, we're kings and queens. This is amazing, right? Um, and, and you get anything that you want. Um, well, I was doing a little bit of the history um, of all-inclusive resorts with the guy who drove us back. And he was telling me it was in 1980 after Hurricane Gilbert, when they were doing construction again, that there was one resort that started the idea of all-inclusive. 
I forget if it was Grand Oasis or something like that. And because they had this brilliant idea, all the rest had to follow suit. To be competitive, all the rest had this idea. You can eat what you want. You can drink what you want. We'll put an umbrella in there if you want it. Just a fantastic idea. In fact, if you go to Mexico today, it is harder to find a non-all-inclusive than one with everything. Now, if you think historically that the all-inclusive idea came up in, in Mexico in the 1980s, you haven't read from the book of Esther. I want you to dig King Xerxes for a little bit. King Xerxes is, is basically making Citadel El Susa, and it got rave reviews on TripAdvisor. Because look at what he's doing. Uh, let me set it up a little bit. It is the third year of his reign. He's going to have a banquet for his nobles, uh, for all the leaders, the military guys. And look for how long. 180 days. Now, we thought two weeks in Mexico would have been extreme. Do you know how much this is? This is six months. And for these six months, they get all that they want. Everything they want to eat, everything they want to drink. It's amazing. Well, you think of the lavishness of what he is setting up. Um, uh, we, we're playing this game over the break called Wits and Wagers. It's a really good game. And uh, you have to like guess certain things and then like bet. And, and one of our questions was, how much gold is in one of those Olympic gold medals? Do you know it's less than 10%? It's like mostly silver and bronze. And yet you look at King Xerxes' kingdom. He doesn't have a medallion. of He has gold couches. Everyone drinks from gold goblets. This guy is incredible. Uh, you go on and look at what else happens. Um, so after the six-month party, he has a seventh-month party, or a seven-day party, I'm sorry. And, and this is for everyone from smallest to least in the actual citadel. Um, and they get to experience this all-inclusive type thing. What they have, again, is white and blue linen fastened with cords of white linen and purple material with silver rings and marble pillars. Now, I want to explain a little bit about what it took to make purple. Purple we know as a mix of red and blue. Purple in that day required these things, sea snails. And it took thousands of sea snails to make just like a handkerchief worth of purple fabric. But King Xerxes' kingdom not only had couches of gold and goblets of gold, but he had this linen that was hanging everywhere that was with this purple. It was like everyone was wearing Gucci. It, it was like everyone was wearing these designer exclusive brand names that no one else could afford, but King Xerxes had it. This is quite the kingdom. Well, the last thing he does in this kingdom, he makes an edict about wine. And the edict is this, that there is no edict. That everyone make their own edict. That you get as much or as little as you want of this wine and so again, he sets up the best resort. I mean, this place had rave reviews on TripAdvisor. Everyone wanted to go. It was a return location. It was amazing. Now, how many of you would like to visit Citadel El Susa? Anyone? I would like to check out what that was all about. The unfortunate story is that it no longer exists. We can't go there. Uh, no one's created anything like it. But another question. And this is for if you follow Jesus for a while. Does anyone know of a better kingdom? Does anyone know of a better king? See, I've come to proclaim that as great as King Xerxes was, this is our first point. There is a greater king, and there is a greater kingdom. 
You see, do you know, someday we will be ushered into an existence that doesn't last for 180 days, that doesn't last for 180 years, that doesn't last for a million eighty years. It lasts for eternity. And this place was pictured. Jesus told a parable of a king who had a banquet. And he said, everyone come to the castle. I've prepared good things for you. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, this is maybe one of my favorite prophecies, he said, he said, it's a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. And this is for eternity. This is the picture of a party with God. Do you know I'm a pastor because I believe in the party that is coming? That is why I'm here. In fact, in these moments, that's why we come to church, is to get away from the mess of our lives is to get away from the details and the attention that has dragged us down and to set our sights to someday higher, to some place higher, where there will be only good, the best of meats, where we'll be free of, of distractions of sin, where we'll be free of bad relationships, where we'll be free of disease, where we'll be free of destruction, we'll be free of corruption, we'll be free of all of these things and just enjoy the kingdom that God has prepared. It's coming, friends. It's why we're here. And it's because of a better king. Who knows his name? What's this king's name? It's Jesus, friends. It's Jesus. And purple. I wore a purple tie. It had significance in that other kingdom. Purple was created through snails in that other kingdom for that other king. Do you know purple has significance with Jesus? Because he wore purple on the day that he paid the price for us to feast. This purple was wrapped around him. As soldiers mocked him as a false king, as the king of the Jews, when truly he was the king of kings. Purple is this marriage between red and blue. And do you know Jesus married red and blue on that day? See, blue represents the bruises that he bore for our sakes and red the blood that he shared. And they were married together at the cross and purple gave way to a much better color that he won. And you know what color he won for you? White. White is what you're wearing, whether you came to church with it or not. White is not what a heavenly father sees. Do you know not any spot, not any stain is on you today? You and I are forgiven. We look beautiful to a heavenly king because we're forgiven of everything. I love our king. I love our king Jesus. There is no one greater than him. But now we've got to look at King Xerxes. And some of you might have thought he was pretty cool, you know, this idea of the all-inclusive. But he becomes very not cool quick. In fact, as we see what, what leads to King Xerxes, it's kind of like what leads whenever the boys are just hanging with the boys, the girls hanging with the girls, and maybe had too much to drink. It starts with this. It, it starts when King Xerxes was high in spirits from wine, and it's kind of like, dun, dun, dun. It all turns bad, folks. When King Xerxes was, was high with wine, right? Now, let's talk a little bit about alcohol. Is it sinful to have alcohol? It ain't. Jesus drank alcohol. Is there a line there? Friends, absolutely. Absolutely. Enjoy alcohol, use alcohol, but be very careful when it comes to alcohol. In fact, I've lived long enough to hear, unfortunately, more bad stories than good stories when it comes to its use. I just want to warn you. And uh, one of the bad things about the use of alcohol there is that, that they were actually calling an evil thing an awesome thing. And whenever you call evil awesome, it's just, it's bad. And that's where Xerxes went astray. So I wanted to learn from Xerxes, and, and I want to tell you, there is great danger in calling what is evil awesome. Okay? 
He's hanging with the guys and he has some evil ideas and they think it would be great ideas, but man, there is danger there. It reminds me of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, he, he said this. He said, woe to those who call evil good. People do that. And good evil. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks. Because you know where it led with their drunkenness? Ha! He has a horrible idea. Well, not only does this king have many wives, he has a harem. But then with his one wife, he wants to exploit her. Not honor her, not prop her up, not serve her, but exploit her. Friends, this is evil. This ain't awesome. But all the friends said, yeah, that's a good idea, king. Let's bring her out. Let's bring her with a crown so everyone can look and go from there. Now, <laughs> here we see clearly the, the nobility of Queen Vashti. Queen Vashti, who we'll talk about, says, no, I'm not going to have any part of what you're calling evil. It's not awesome. Well, you need to know he had such evil buddies around him, the boys would be boys, that after Queen Vashti refused, he got his counselors, his cohorts, and he said, well, what she did is going to happen everywhere. Man, it's, it's just going to be a problem. This is what one advisor said. He said, Queen Vashti has done wrong not only against the king, but against all the nobles of the peoples of the provinces of King Xerxes. This is an overreaction, isn't it? What she do, every husband is going to have to bear up with, and we're all going to be oppressed because of the queen. But that's what happens in a kingdom where you call evil awesome. And your buddies call evil awesome. And your gals call evil awesome. And you end up not where you want to be. In fact, what we know is that he's going to lose this marriage all because of one night with drinking with the friends. Now, God gave us a kingdom. How does this apply to our lives? You have a kingdom, don't you? Your kingdom might be as small as the 20 square feet in your parents' house, the bedroom that you call yours. Your kingdom might be a 2,000 square foot house, a 20,000 foot square house, a 20 acre lot of land. I'm not sure what your kingdom is, but you have a kingdom, don't you? And you have people that, that you're able to influence. There are kids around you. Maybe you are a kid. Your friends are watching what you do. Maybe you were given kids. They're watching what you do and the influence that you have over them. Maybe you work with people. Maybe you're a boss. There are always people watching how you rule your kingdom. And I wanted to know, is there anything in your kingdom, anything that is pure evil that you call awesome? Man, maybe you don't bring your wife out to exploit her, but do you ever womanize? Do you ever go on the internet? Do you ever uh, dishonor women and how God made them? Not as sisters of God, but as your own thing. Watch out. Women, is it possible to just want your, your way so much that you don't give heed to anyone else's way? Is it possible to be like Xerxes and just want to do what you want to do regardless of what anyone thinks, regardless of, of how it affects anyone? Is that a temptation for you at all? We see in King Xerxes an evil leader who wasn't so awesome. And today's the day to repent. If there's anything evil about our kingdom that we've been letting on or calling awesome, if there's any heart of us that says, no, I just want to do what I do, when I do it, with whom I want, and I don't care what happens. Christ followers, it's a time to be done with that. It's a time to repent and bring that to the Lord. And let's be more like Jesus that better king, 
that king who specializes not in the exploitation of others, but in the exaltation of others, of the oppressed and those who are put down. The, the, the king who says everyone is valuable and everyone is worthy, and it doesn't matter how low you think you are, you are called up to, to feast in my kingdom. This king is not known as being a king of ego. He's being known as a king of love. There's this old school hymn that says, The king of love my shepherd is, whose goodness fails me never. This king of love has forgiven our sins and restored us again. He's called us the children whom he loves. And he says, now rule your kingdom like I have ruled. He's calling us husbands. He's calling us, there any men in the room. You know what a true leader is? You want to be a leader? You want to tout that name? It's a servant. We are the lead servants. If anyone needs to sacrifice, if you want to be a man, you put yourself down for the sake of those around you. He tells those women, you want to be noble? You be like Queen Vashti. You stick up for what is right regardless of the consequences. You do the right thing regardless of the obstacles standing in your way. He tells us kids, you want to be a good servant in the kingdom? You respect that authority. You respect those who God has placed in your life, whether it be parents, whether it be teachers, whether it be a boss. You respect them because God has placed them there. God can empower us to be more like King Jesus, friends. He can empower us. So today we don't learn from a king named Xerxes. We learn from a queen named Vashti. And I love that this queen stood up and said, I will not be a part of evil. When she got the orders from all those servants, uh, it was kind of like this character, oh no you didn't, right? She gave a look, I'm not sure what she said, but she was not having it that day. Right? And this was her picture. Stand up for what is right. Even if you stand all alone in French, she was alone. Right? I mean, she has her Rosa Parks moment if you follow the civil rights movement. Right? I am not going to go back. I am not going to be subject to that discrimination. I know my rights, and here I am, here I stand. When we think about our kingdom, friends, what if this was said of us? That it was said of us that we stand up for what is right regardless of the consequences. Because you know the pressure that is facing you. And what happens if I don't get in and all the things that will domino because of that? Vashti said, nuts to those dominoes. I'm doing what is right regardless. Isn't that a good ruler of a kingdom? You know, it reminds me of another story from the Bible. There were these three dudes named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them? And they were given another order by another bad king. They said, I made this God, you're going to bow down to it. And they're like, uh, no, we won't. And this is what they said. Uh, they said to the, the king at that time, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Man, I would like a heart like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Lord, give me a heart like Vashti that says, regardless of the obstacles, regardless of the people, regardless of the circumstances, th this is important, regardless of how I feel, right? Isn't that so important? Regardless of how I feel, I'm doing what's right today. I'm sticking up for what is good today. I'm going to walk humbly. I'm going to act justly and show mercy as with the Lord. This is what I'm going to be about. Isn't it what you desire through the Spirit? Is the Spirit confirming your own heart that way? I'm going to stand up for what is right today. 
I'm going to do what is good today regardless of how it works out. Because we've come to answer a question. And I love the answer to this question is you just do what is right. Back to where we began. Can God still work in your life in spite of the evil? In spite of the dominoes that you think are going to fall if you stand up for what is right? Can he still do his good thing? I've got to tell you a story. There's a great lady named Christine Kane. Anyone here of Christine Kane? There's a picture of Christine Kane. She leads A21 organization that fights human trafficking. So she's trying to release oppressed women all across the world by the uh, foundation that she has set up, A21. Not only this, she's an outspoken Christian uh, who works with the Equip and Empower Ministries to raise up Christian leaders and to help Christian churches all across the world. But Christine Kane would not be here if it were not for evil circumstances. Here's what you need to know about her story, that she was conceived in sin. And her parents didn't want her. On her birth certificate, it read unnamed. The social report about her, it said unwanted. And yet an unnamed, unwanted Christine Kane is the very one who is used by God today to accomplish his better purposes in this world. See, Christine Kane, she said this about her story. She said, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around and used for my good. My past is now helping me to give others a future. Isn't that God, what God does with evil? See, he doesn't work in spite of evil. He uses, he, he uses evil. Not in spite of it, but because of it. I could tell you the, the story of Joseph. Joseph had evil brothers. They were so evil they wanted to kill him. But they acquiesced and they settled for selling him as a slave. And he saw this evil wife married to Potiphar. And this evil wife wanted to sleep with him, but he was a faithful man. He was a good dude. He said no. And evil after evil brought him to a place before Pharaoh. And he was able to accomplish the saving of many lives, being propped up in the second position, not in spite of, but because of the very evil that was going to bring him down. But I got a better story. See, see, there was this day where a man, he was betrayed. There was a day where, where this man was denied. There was a day where he was beaten bloody, where he was tortured like nobody's business, and everyone thought evil had won the day. In fact, the whole sky turned black. But that day they thought evil reigned was the very day that God had won. No, friends, he doesn't work in spite of evil. He works because of that same evil that you are facing. Make no mistake about it. So what's the point? You came here with obstacles. You came here with opposition. You came here with evil people in your life. I need to tell you this point. What you thought might be a setback may be your very set up to be in the very place that God wants you to be. You thought it was all bad and there is no silver lining and though you don't know what the future holds, God can set you up better in the place you need to be because of those things. And that's the story of Esther. I haven't even said her name much, have I? I'll get to her, don't worry, don't worry. But Esther, she's not queen in spite of an egotistical, egomaniacal, uh, megalomaniac named Xerxes. She becomes queen because of an egotistical, megalomaniacal king named Xerxes. The very thing that was the obstacle is the very thing God used to prop her up in the place that she needed to be. God can do it in your lives. God can give you such a hope. 
May God so bless you.